Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Good to have you here with us. It is time for Counterpoint. We got Anthony Fury in the house. He's with SunPost Media, columnist where you can read him, and Bob Richardson, senior counsel over at National Public Relations, also bringer of all things soccer to Toronto. That's your new title. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey. Hello, hello. Let's talk a little bit about um, the big police uh, bust that happened in the last 24 hours. They did their show and tell today, uh, getting a lot of big headlines. And the bottom line is, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll go on a limb and say this. Toronto is not necessarily safer. I mean, the, the headlines are going to be looking good on this thing. A lot of guns got taken off the street. But, but I'll start with you on this, Anthony. Until we have actual political action to stop the smuggling of these guns coming in from areas like Cornwall, the border crossings, which everyone knows about, everyone talks about, but no one will actually do anything about, it's not going to stop. And that's just it. I mean, I don't work the the Toronto crime beat. I work federal files mostly when I do research. And I have been learning a lot about just how darn porous our border actually is when I've been looking at the the illegal migrant crossings that have been happening and a similar conversation with the U.S.-Mexico border. And then you realize if someone has untoward motive, just how darn easy it is to get anything or quite frankly, anyone mm-hmm. across the border. And whenever there's gun violence in Canada or the U.S., we hear a lot of well-intentioned people talk about how we got to ban guns, or mm-hmm. I think Adam Vaughn wanted to ban bullets or something like that a few years ago. It has nothing to do with it if the current laws, such as the border yep. laws, are not being enforced. All those guns, all those bullets are going to get crossed over, and the, the, the law-abiding gun owners are already abiding by the laws you got to deal with the troublemakers. Yeah, Bob, some of the weapons taken off uh, the the streets in this bust um, are so fashionable and colorful that the police have never seen anything like it because they look like toys, essentially. But, uh, you know, we hear a lot of these, you know, we're going to ban the gun. And, and, and as Anthony says, we have these little nifty kind of trade your gun and we'll give you a toy or whatever. But the bottom line is, um, if John Tory and if Justin Trudeau and now Doug Ford want to solve this, Someone's going to have to take some leadership and say, we are going to, in fact, start cracking down because we know this is where illegal cigarettes are also coming in and no one will touch it. Well, I've, I've actually spent a weekend down, you know, at a cottage um, on the St. Lawrence. You can hear and see the cigarette boats going back and forth all night. Right. You can just hear, see them and you can hear them and they're out there. It is a huge problem down there. It's a huge problem down there on cigarettes, and it's a huge problem down there on other issues. And quite frankly, no government of any of the stripes has taken that issue on, uh, and nor has the local uh, leadership of the Native community either. So that's a big thing that needs to be done. Uh, I think it's great that the police have done this, and obviously they did a very good job on this. And quite frankly, you, you know, you're putting your life on the line when you're doing something this big, and they should be commended for it. Wondering if we could get some sort of independent study done uh, to say, are we treading water here? Mm-hmm. Um, are we really, you know, bringing these up gangs to heal? No, but we're not. They, we don't need the study. Or, I mean, uh, Bob, I've or, done or so many they, of these. Or, or have they grown exponentially? I, you know, I think we need to get a better sense of 
how are we doing? Because I have no clue, and I suspect most people don't. I can tell you, though, as a reporter in this market, I mean, I can't tell you how many project uh, raids that we have covered, and the same, they're going in and out, in and out, in and out. The same gang that's busted in this this arrest was was arrested in 2010. So they go into the system, and they get spit out. The police do all the hard work, and and then the courts let them out. not disagreeing with you at all, because I think that that's probably the case. But I'm just wondering whether we need to do this now to figure out, do we need... Uh, do we need more resources here in Toronto? Do we need to really pressure the feds and others to actually start trying to close things down in uh, in eastern Ontario? Um, those are the type of things that I think we, we, we need to answer, and I, I'm not sure that we've done that successfully yet. Yeah, I, and Anthony, I, I just don't think anyone's going to do it. I mean, we're in a political year for running for mayor, and we're going to go into a federal election, and, and this would be the political rail uh, of, because no one wants any kind of OCA situation or standoff, but the bottom line is, if they truly want to stop guns coming in and, and start cracking down, this is a very good start. In hindsight, when you watch Julian Fantino and Bill Blair as police chiefs, you could tell that they figured they had a future career in another line of work that required a bit more political (laughs) diplomacy. Mark Saunders acts like a cop, and Mm. I like that, and that suggests that when things get tough, perhaps he's going to be able to really rise to the occasion. He's saying right now in press conferences, this gang has been dealt a major blow. I don't know about that. I mean, it's good PR because we've just seen a couple kids shot at this absurd uh, playground shooting that happened. Uh, the other week. And I think this is when people get angry and irate, and they should do, because I, I don't know if the police do it, but we certainly, as commentators in the general public, we turned a blind eye uh, to this if they're just killing each other and picking each other off. But once the Jane Krebas of the world get shot or the kids in the playgrounds, then we start to demand action. So I guess to Bob's point, is this just, hey guys, here's some PR, we did some stuff, or is this actually uh, digging into the numbers and dealing them a serious blow? But I don't get the sense that they are serious, because I keep hearing the same rhetoric in every press conference that we have seen in the last 20 years. What I have not heard is we are actually going into that area because, if Bob, Bob, if you're hearing these boats every single night, chances are everyone around you knows. So every it's like the thing everyone talks about but won't deal with. Yeah, and, and you know, and I, I think everybody knows what the problem is, but nobody's doing it. And I'm, I'm, you know, and again, I'm wondering if we've constrained our police and our law enforcement too uh, too much with some of the laws that we have on the books. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if some of the uh, issues related to uh, extradition and immigration and other things um, are allowing situations to occur that, you know, where we're just breeding these problems and making them happen and are, may, are creating a larger problem than, than exists today. So I think it's a more comprehensive problem. It's not just uh, do you need, a, a, you know, more boots on the ground in the Toronto Police Services? It's really across the board, all three levels of government, at least five or six different policy areas that you need to look at together if you're going to have a major impact. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break there, but I, I, I do think we just need to let police police. And I think we'd actually uh, see some results, but uh, the government gets in the way and we're not getting anything done. Let's take a quick pause there. And when we come back, the Time magazine cover everyone is posting. Um, yeah, not real. We'll talk about this and should you be retiring at 65 to give the young'uns a chance? We'll talk about that coming up next here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson, and this is Global News Radio. Hey, no name-calling here. Just differing opinions going head-to-head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Bob Richardson, Anthony Fury joining me for Counterpoint. Great to have you here. So, 
Imagine that. Time magazine now under fire for a cover that it put out showing Donald Trump looking down at a crying two-year-old Honduran girl. This is uh, supposed to be emblematic of the immigration crisis, which is a crisis. And now the child's father has come forward saying, "Mm, that's... No, she's fine. She's good. She was never separated from her mother. And the the photographer who took the picture, John Moore, reported that after he took the photo, the child's mother picked her up and they got into a van. And so, Bob, you know, this really feeds into the narrative that Donald Trump says of, you know, fake news. And they can't the, the media just cannot get it wrong. And they are. Well, you know what? It enrages me because, uh, you know, how could this happen on the front mm-hmm. page of Time magazine? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you got you to gotta wonder a little bit about media management today that that was allowed to happen. I mean, there should be five or six questions that you would ask about your cover, and clearly that didn't happen. Yeah, like, is it All factual? <laughs> So it, it, it enrages me because it just gives license to a lot of the nonsense that's out there at the moment. Mm-hmm. That being said, let's go back to the heart of the issue. Um, 2,000 people are being, you know, kids are being detained. Health and Human Services are not allowing duly elected politicians, senators and congressmen to check them out. They're not allowing, you know, people's lawyers to come in or human rights observers or anyone like that. Uh, the list goes on and on. So... When that is going on, people legitimately should have concerns about the separation of kids from their parents. So I think what we need to do is separate on this one the stupidity of the management of Time magazine, and I hope somebody loses their job, and the actual conduct of the government of the USA, because the two of them are are different issues here. Anthony? No one's going to lose their job because I think that this is a sentiment that a lot of people carry right now, that you never let facts get in the way of a good argument. And it's one thing for for diehard Democrats and Republicans to be a little squishy on the facts there and and push things into an agenda territory. But we're seeing an increasing number of people in the media do this when it comes to the Trump issue. I think what we saw the past week, Alex, was not very healthy. The 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 nonstop manicness of people who were were acting out on this issue. Adults saying things, posting things on social media. Peter Fonda getting the Secret Service looking at him because he's suggesting that uh, Trump, Donald Trump's youngest son should be sexually assaulted. All this bizarre stuff that is just disproportionate disproportionality. I happen to think that the family separation policy, well, there is no family separation policy. It's a policy that you criminally prosecute people across the border, and because they're being criminally prosecuted, a side effect is that they don't go in with the children. I guess the executive orders tempering that down a bit. I think Ted Cruz's idea that you build more family detention centers and you get expedited hearings so you keep them all together yep. is the right one. The people tearing their hair out over all of this is nuts. And Alex, there's been so many examples of little the Time magazine cover, that's just one of them. So many facts that ended up not being true. Uh, to Bob's point about uh, not letting congressmen come in and, and, and check them out and so forth, when children are taken by children's aid, for instance, and other situations like that, I don't know if you have a right to go in and you know poke around into their care and so forth. So just because there's hysteria about it, I don't know if everybody has the right uh, to go in and you know be in these detention facilities with the kids. I, I'm, I'm against them being separated from their parents, but this is absolutely absurd, the response we've seen. 
Yeah, yeah I, I, I tend to agree with most of what you said, except for the back part. I think it is absurd that a duly elected senator, somebody who's been in for 18 or 24 years, like Bill Nelson in Florida, who frankly is a moderate and a reasonable person, is not being allowed in by health and uh, human services in the United States and is barred at the door. That tells me that there's something ro- very, very wrong going on. Or Susan Collins, a Republican in Maine. I mean, that tells me that there's something hugely broken in their system that that this would not be allowed these are serious people and they should be allowed to do their jobs yeah go ahead well i'll just i think on both sides there's just so much um i think everyone's just behaving so badly there's no question strategically donald trump could not win this you cannot win separating a child from the parents so he was already (laughs) wrong but then again but when you get so much erroneous information out there and, and really stories that aren't true, it just, to me, it's everything that is wrong today. This knee-jerk reaction of get it out first, don't worry about getting it right. And it just, it kills the media. It just kills it. And from a media perspective, I kind of feel for Time Magazine because weekly yeah, magazines just can't exist anymore in the 24-hour news cycle. You can do a monthly where you're you doing a long form. you got one chance to get it right. You have to get it right. Yeah, I, the weekly magazine like is just dead. It doesn't really exist anymore for these very reasons. Yeah, even TMZ would have gotten this. This one right like honestly get it right you've got one job get it right um, I love TMZ I do too but but they do tend to get it right and they're doing a better job than some of the big ones um, I drink coffee from a straw now just because of that guy <laughs> there you go uh, let's talk about Jerry Diaz who I'll have on the show uh, just around nine o'clock to talk about um, uh, an article that he wrote in the Huffington Post where he essentially said when you're 65 or darn close to it it's time for you to move on so that younger people can have a chance to bring in their fresh ideas and get the opportunities uh, Bob, do you think 65-year-olds should go to pasture? I say amen to that in the public sector. I think <laughs> in the private sector, that's a different that's a different thing, and it's kind of based on your performance and if you're still doing things. And I think if you've got a pension, be, you know, there needs to be a little bit more flexibility there. But in the public sector, take universities and colleges. There are people what I would describe as blocking and clogging the system. They are fully pensionable. They're going to get every benefit in the world from a health perspective and other things afterwards. We need, and if we don't allow the young generation to come up and get, you know, into tenured uh, spots uh, or into significant spots as teacher, you know what they're going to do? They're going to pick up and go elsewhere. And that's going to create a bigger problem for us. So I am fully in favor of it in the public sector. Uh, in the private sector, I think we need to be a little bit more flexible and, and see how uh, how that goes, because the market will uh, determine that a little bit more. The challenge is in the new economy, a lot of young people see these jobs and go, oh, I, I want that. I like that. Yeah, I'd like this, say, defined benefit pension. So then you get the old person out, and then you say, oh, yeah, and by the way, it's not a defined benefit contribution when we refill it, and you're coming in at $50,000 less or what have you than you thought this marquee job would be. So I get the spirit of it, but also when you get rid of the older generation, you're also sometimes reforming. You'll find in certain industries, ones that are soaring, they're just you know paying people even better, but, yeah, but industries undergoing I mean, change. A 65 is not, it's not old anymore. I mean, look, you got lots of life at 65. Some people really enjoy working, and some people have to work because they don't have that big, cushy public sector or, or union pension. So, yeah, but l- l- let me tell you, in some of the faculty associations across Ontario, it's weekend at Bernie's. Oh, oh, we need, to, yeah, you know, know. We need, we need to do some house cleaning in those sure. areas. And it's ridiculous because there's great young a- academics who should be tenured track. We should be moving up in the ranks and people should be moving on. Well, you can tell and, you uh, can tell Doug Ford. I'm sure he'll listen to you. So uh, I, I, I've. I've 
I'm not sure if he'll listen or not on uh, on this issue, but uh, I think it's an important one. And I think it's just good in the public sector to have that sort of movement um, because other, uh, otherwise we're going to get into trouble. Last word to you, Anthony. Look, I think there's a lot of young people out there to the point of the, the, the faculty. They're looking elsewhere because the sessional instructors go, you know what, this, there's nothing in this for me. So they're starting to head in different directions. The, the one thing that I do find amusing, though, I know some people who do leave their government job and then they go on to get a government contract job. So they're already double dipping and tri- maybe that's what Bob is wink wink nudge nudge advising people to do. I don't know. Yeah, well, no, I, I, that drives me crazy too. But anyway, that's a different topic. Well, the, the bottom line is I'm never retiring because I will never be able to stop. Yeah, working I'm freedom ninety five, so yeah. I'm not worried. There you go. All right, guys, thank you so much, Bob Richardson and Anthony Fury, joining us. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.